Welcome back to the lab with your host, Brad Bolt. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Brad Bolt Show, part of the NFL Lab Network. We are continuing with our division breakdowns for this week, and this week we are on the Souths, the AFC South and the NFC South. Joining me this week is another member of the Lab Network. You would have heard him on the Saturday Air Raid, and he'll have his own show coming out very soon as well, looking at rookies. It's the Yeti. It's Dan O'Connell. Dan, how's it going? Brad, I'm doing excellent, mate. How are you? Oh, good, man. It's it's almost here. The season's almost here. We're excited. Oh, another but, another week of preseason in the books and one more to go. This is probably my least favorite week of the preseasons because you know that not a lot of guys are gonna play because they wanna they've got a rough idea on the main guys who who are gonna be on the team and you probably won't see too much of anyone else. So Yeah. It gets to that point when it's the last game of the preseason. But in saying that, shock horror, Aaron Rodgers is actually playing this week. Yeah, so, you know, generally generally the games are ones where I'm like, oh, I'm not too sure, but then you hear certain things. And I even think to Carolina, who's one of the teams we'll mention and talk about later, they've mentioned that Bryce Young's going to be playing as well this for a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see. But um before we start, guys, just as per usual, if you if you like what you're seeing here, please like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You find us on Spotify and Apple, and you'll have a lot more shows coming out sooner rather than later. So without further ado, let's get into the AFC South, starting with the Houston Texans. Their over-under total win total is six and a half wins. So my first question for you, Dan, is six and a half wins. Would you be going over or under on the Houston Texans? Uh, I am under. Under? What are yeah, you thinking? I'm, I've got them at five wins. I think I can't. I was having a look at the schedule. I haven't got it in front of me, but I was having a look at the schedule. I couldn't get them to six wins, let alone seven. So I think five is the top sort of where I'd expect them to sit. A lot of that depends on, obviously, CJ Stroud and how long it takes him to settle into the NFL and then some other rookies that will have big roles as well. But just trying to see him get past five wins for this year, I think it's a tough ask. Yeah, and I think, too, part of their the, some of the, you know, the criticisms of CJ Stroud so far early in the, the preseason games have mostly been, oh, well, you know, that O-line really needs to protect him. Well, they haven't been starting any of their starters pretty much on the that's, offensive yeah, line. so That's a lot of the issues in preseason, like we were saying. Not everyone plays. And when you've got a rookie, you want to give them the best chance possible, but you also don't want those veterans playing too much either. Yeah. So it's a fine balance for them at the moment. But And I think, too, you know, they, they've got Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, who's one of the premier left tackles in the NFL they got Titus Howard, who, yes, he's injured, so I'm not sure if he'll miss too much of the season, but, you know, they've just re-signed him. They signed Shaq Mason as well from, so, you know, they bought him in as well. They signed him yeah. to an extension. One of their draft picks at the end of the second round was Juice Scruggs, so there's an interior. And they've got Kenyon Green, who was a first-round pick last year. So they've got the pieces there to protect CJ Stroud. It's just whether they can actually play well enough. Yeah, and if they can all get on the field 
consistently at the same time as well. Yeah, exactly. If they can stay, if they can stave off injuries, or you know, if the injuries are happening, it's not all at once where you're suddenly down to, you know, you're missing three of your five offensive linemen because with the offensive line play, you just want to go, you just want to have five competent players on there. If you can't have, if you can't feel that, we've seen what's happened to other teams when they lose their offensive line throughout yeah. the season. So. Couple of the other key signings, I guess, for them: Dalton Schultz at tight end, Robert Woods as wide receiver, Jimmy Ward as safety, Sheldon Rankins as well. So they've sort of tried to hit a few areas, and especially for new incoming coach D'Amico Ryan's to help try and build up that defense. Yeah, and they're getting guys like they're getting a lot of veterans in. They might be a young team in a lot of places, but they're also getting veterans in to help with the young guys as well with that veteran leadership. So I think they've done a fairly good job this offseason, to be honest. Yeah, I actually really quite like their offseason that they've had, you know, because uh, you look at the the wide receiver room, like I said, you bring in Robert Woods, you already had Nico Collins there. You had John Mechie, who missed all of last year due, due to his uh, battle with leukemia, which thankfully he's healthy and he's going to be playing this year. But yeah. they've also drafted uh, uh, NFL Lab Network favourite, Minitron Tank Dell. Um, <laughs> but, you know, having a guy like Robert Woods who's been around, he's been to Super Bowls, who's, who's just that professional, it's only going to help that young wide receiver room. Yeah. And it might be a case of Robert Woods plays a fair bit early on in the season just while the rookies are getting used to it. And John Mechie as well, not a rookie, but he may as well be not having played last year. Yeah. So you might see Robert Woods play a lot more early on than what he will later in the season, which, like I said, again, he's just one of those guys you're bringing in to help the young team as well. And like you said, his experience will be invaluable there for those guys. Yeah, and their main real key losses were Brandon Cooks, who's gone to... Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, Jonathan Owens, and Ogbonna Okoronkwo, who's now with the Browns. So they're, they're those guys. But I think the the main things to me, their biggest offseason moves were drafting CJ Stroud at two and then mortgaging some of their future that they had for next year yeah. to move back up to three to get Will Anderson, who I really like because I like this idea. You bring in a brand-new coach in D'Amico Ryan's, it's one for the organization and for the fans by drafting CJ Stroud. And then it's one for the coach by bringing in your corner, like your centerpiece of your defense with that defense. Yeah. That's what it seems like. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure whether me personally, if I was a GM, if I'd be willing to give up the capital that they did because the pick that they traded was actually their first round pick and not the Cleveland Browns first round pick. Yeah. So that, that could be, you know, your little bit of, a worry if they do happen to bottom out again this year and they could have had a top, you know, three or four, top five pick. And that's now gone to uh, Arizona. Like that's just, it's a little bit of a concern. And they gave up the, I think it was the second pick of the second round. Yeah. The pick 33, I think it was, which ended up being the second pick of the second round. So it was an awful lot to give up for Will Anderson, but, Jeez, he's a good player. So I can see why they thought about doing it and ended up doing it. But for a young team like this, losing that other first for next year is a bit of a killer. Yeah, and I think if if Will Anderson pans out and has that type of impact on the defense that a Nick Bosa, you know, the Nick Bosa in his rookie season, that type of impact, if he can do that, well, Texans fans really aren't going to be terribly upset with that. So... Their six and a half wins, I think, like you, I'm sort of thinking they'd be pushing that six to seven win mark at most. 
but I think like you probably under it's probably about that. I think maybe that six ish, six ish win market at most. I think. Well, there's always games that you're not you don't expect a team to win that they end up pulling it out. Yeah, so exactly. I think they've got a couple like that on their schedule that will be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, so moving on to another team who also has a six and a half win over under, and that's the Indianapolis Colts, who have had a quite a overturn overhaul of the team from last year compared to this year. So they traded away Stefan Gilmore to Dallas. Uh, Bobby Okereke has gone to the Giants and Paris Campbell has also left. Their main real additions are Samson Ebicam, Gardner Minshew they brought in. That's pretty much it sort of thing. There's not too much in the way there. Uh, so Indy, six and a half wins over under. Are you taking the under on Indy as well? Yeah, I've got them under as well. And I've actually got them at five wins as well. Yeah. So what's your, what's your thought process behind the the under there? Is it something similar, just young young guys? So I think yeah, I think it's the fact that they've got Anthony Richardson at quarterback now. Everyone knows he was going to be a project coming in, so they've said he's going to be the starter from week one. How quickly he can acclimatize to the NFL will play a massive role in how many wins they get for the season. Overall, they've got a solid team, but they weren't a young sort of athletic quarterback away from being a really good team. So I think there'll be teething problems for this year before they start to shoot up the division in the coming years. So it's just tough to see them getting over that six and a half wins. Yeah, I, I was the same and I'm, I'm really high on Anthony Richardson. I really think that he could actually be a really good player in the NFL. The problem is they've got a couple of really good big names on the team. So you look at the defense, you've got Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, there are a couple of their their big defensive players, Shaq Leonard. If he's back playing, I'm not sure if he like he's been had a fairly um, tumultuous couple of years with injuries. Yeah, but then, they need him back as well because he's a stud when he's healthy. Yeah, and but the obviously the biggest thing at the moment is uh, as we noticed was it yesterday the uh, trade well not the trade but the the off season of Jonathan Taylor where the trade request was made. Yeah. It was told, no, that's not happening. And then as we saw yesterday, it has come out that the Colts have given Jonathan Taylor permission to seek a trade out of there. So do you think that this is a chance to sink their season by having, like like I said, we've got they've got names in certain spots like Quinton Nelson at guard. You've got, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is a, is a decent wide receiver. You, you've got a couple of these names, but do you reckon that this could all be derailed by the young team, plus also the chance that some of these these big-name guys might not be on the team come middle of the season? Well, yeah, exactly. Like you look at the Jonathan Taylor situation, and you've got to think that that sort of turmoil in the locker room can't be good either for a young side. Mm. So what happens with him is going to be a big key for them this year. It's, I don't know. It's tough when you're thinking about trading away a running back in this day and age because what are they actually going to get for him? Is it better to have him on the team and just hope that you can work things out with him or do you just try and get whatever you can for him and then move forward without him? Yeah, that's that's the thing too. And as we mentioned, like they've had the the, the names of the... Um... You know the the big name guys at certain positions who we've mentioned, but then like you you lose, you trade away Stefan uh, Stefan Gilmore, and then you bring in Juju Brents as a second round cornerback. So you know rookie corners aren't always necessarily the most reliable guys early on to see how they'll they'll go. So there's things like that. They uh, drafted um, 
Adetomwa Adeboare, like he's a he's a guy I really like, but you know he's there to to assist on that defensive line. But yeah. what happens if someone, you know, someone a team that's in the hunt at the trade deadline offers the Colts a first round pick to get DeForest Buckner out of the way? Like what happens? You know what I mean? Like it's just they've got these really good big name players in certain positions, but if they start happening to maybe move on from some of these guys, what's going yeah. to happen to that team? Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. And you look at some of the other draft picks as well. They got Josh Downs in. So yeah. he adds another dynamic wide receiver to that group as well. So there's a lot to like about them, but I just think key positions, there's a lot of youth and then a bit of turmoil in the locker room. How are they all going to gel together? How's it going to work at the start of the season and then as it moves along? And like I said, Anthony Richardson's the biggest key. How he develops early on will shape their season for the entire season. So... Yeah, and and I like the idea of having Anthony Richardson start from the get-go because you're not, like, the Colts aren't really expected to be pushing for a playoff berth. So why not experiment for the year, find out what Anthony Richardson does really well, see how once he's had a few reps, if you can notice something, okay, this is what we want to improve on, or you get your idea from your team in, in this season where you potentially, as we've mentioned, we don't, we don't necessarily think that the the Colts are going to be pushing for, you know, that playoff spot, that Super Bowl type of burst. So why not just go, well, it doesn't matter if we go 0-16 this year, you know. You go or 0-17, if they happen to do that and they get the first pick in the draft, they could get an absolute met, yeah, like exactly. get an absolute haul for what for that first pick, or they could draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Like there's there's so many options to yeah. To improve that team. So, yeah, no, it's a key spot. And this division's, I wouldn't say it's up for grabs too much. Like I said, Houston, I don't think win a lot of games. Colts won't win a lot of games this year, but they've got an opportunity outside Jacksonville. The rest of the teams are sort of fighting around that same sort of area for the division and potential wild card if they can string a few wins together. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you, you mentioned the team, so we'll move on to them now. Jacksonville Jags, they have the highest over-under win total of this division at nine and a half wins. They're, they're, I guess they're key losses. They lose Juwan Taylor, their right tackle, to uh, Kansas City. Arden Key's gone. And, and I guess, too, their left tackle, Cam Robinson, is suspended for the first six games of the season due to a substance, yeah. uh, substance suspension. So... You know that, that that's part of their um their thought process. In they drafted Anton Harrison in the first round, but when you look at their additions, they don't really have anyone for this off season. Their big addition is the fact that they traded for Calvin Ridley at the trade deadline last year. Yeah, and so they both, kept Evan Evan Ingram as well. Evan Ingram, they kept they keep him in there. But yeah, like you said, there wasn't a lot of players that they brought in to boost this side. So. They're so, sticking with what they got and going from there. Yeah, so their over-under to win total is nine and a half. So what are you thinking for Jacksonville this year? I have them at 11 wins. 11? Yeah. I think they've really got the potential to get 11 wins this year. I think I had them at 10, but I thought I could find another win for them there as well. So I settled on 11 at the end. Yeah, I, I think I think to me, I reckon that they're probably going to be a 10-win a, a team. Um, but as you mentioned, the, the other teams in this division, this division is so weird at times that you can have teams that are clearly better than the others, and yet they could lose two of their first three division games against teams they shouldn't lose against. Yeah. But that's just the way this that's the way division play is. But 
Jacksonville, nine and a half. I think I like the fact that they were able to keep their guys, you know, Calvin Ridley, bring Calvin Ridley in, but Christian Kirk had it. Well, if you actually look at it, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones and Evan Ingram all had career years last year. So yeah. adding adding Calvin Ridley into that, yeah. but, uh, you know, they're, they're, I think their big thing for Jacksonville is they've got to improve is that defensive side of the ball. Because yeah. you, look, you look at last season, the number one overall draft pick was Trayvon Walker, and Trayvon Walker did not have a great rookie season. No, you didn't hear a lot of him. So for a number one pick, you expected a whole lot more than what he gave them. And you think they had the they had the ability to draft Aiden Hutchinson number one overall, and they went with Trayvon Walker. They could have had, you know, there's Hutchinson. They could have had Source Gardner. They could have had Kayvon Thibodeau. Like they they had could have had all these guys who could have made massive impacts on that team. And they went with Trayvon Walker, who did not have a really good season and. You know, you need him to improve. You need Josh Allen to improve on that. Oh, you know, he played really well. But Devin Lloyd was a first-round um, linebacker, like a rookie yeah. linebacker. He played really well at the start of the season. He ended up getting benched towards the second half of the season. So, you know, I think that defense is probably going to be what's going to determine their success this year. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what sort of consistency Trevor Lawrence plays with as well. Hmm. He had a good season last year, but he's still so up and down at the moment. And we saw it in the preseason game as well. That pick that he threw, that's the sort of thing that he's got to get out of his game yeah. for them to really succeed as a team. So if he can take another step as well and then that defense can lift up a little bit, then, yeah, I think we see him at 11 wins in a playoff, easy playoff berth. So they, they drafted Anton Harrison in the first round. Uh, they Brenton, uh, Brenton Strange, they took in the second round. That was a weird fighter. pick as well. Yeah. Going him there in round two. So, yeah, I wasn't sure. And then I don't, I mean, I don't mind the, I actually kind of like the, the drafting of Tank's big, Tank Bigsby in the third round as a nice compliment to Travis Etienne. Was yeah, there I anyone that worked well together? Yeah. Is there anyone else that they drafted that you really liked their picks? So, before the draft, I loved Parker Washington. Mm-hmm. And then Jacksonville drafted him. I'm like, well, that is probably the worst place for him to get drafted at just because of the depth that they have at wide receiver. Yeah. But I guess Antonio Johnson at safety is a solid player. But I guess the top three are the guys that they're going to need to really make key impacts early. Mm. Anton Harrison could have a massive role from the get-go. Yeah, because then it'll be interesting too. So it looks like at the moment they'll have Walker Little play as their left tackle um, and Anton Harrison playing as the right tackle to start with while Cam Robinson's out. And Cam yeah. Robinson comes back in and it's sort of like shuffling the line again to figure out what's the best the best play style for that. So we'll, you know, maybe Walker Little kicks inside the guard and whatever. But, that's, you know, it's it's a big loss having your first choice left tackle out of the side for the first six games and then having your having a rookie right tackle protecting Trevor Lawrence. It's that little bit scary to try and figure out where they might go this year if that all goes pear-shaped. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if Anton Harrison struggles early on, they could be in a bit of trouble along that line. Yeah, so we're we're both over on Jacksonville, the nine and a half, but the I think their big competition really could be Tennessee here. They're over under seven and a half wins. I 
originally when I saw that seven and a half wins and I saw the moves that uh, Tennessee made by letting Nate Davis go, David Long Jr. go, Demarcus Walker's gone, Taylor Lewan's gone. You know, I sort of went, yeah, I'm not sure. Not really? sure what this team's going to be, but you can't count out Mike Vrabel. I yeah. think that's the thing. Like Mike Vrabel's becoming one of those coaches, I guess, that you can think of in the same mold as like a Mike Tomlin. Like every single year, you're just like, oh, I can't count him out. Like he's just, yeah, exactly. he's just going to be there. So uh, they, they brought in Andre Dillard as their left tackle, Arden Key, um, Aziz Al-Shair, and then obviously the big one in DeAndre Hopkins, bringing him in. So, Tennessee seven and a half wins. What's your thoughts? Uh, I think I gave them a couple extra wins because of the Mike Vrabel effect. So I've got them at nine wins. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it's like you said, you can't discount how good of a coach Mike Vrabel is. And he just keeps getting it done year after year. When you expect Tennessee to have a poor year, they're again fighting for a playoff berth. And a lot yeah. of that comes down to him as a coach. So I think it big important part will be what sort of season they're going to get out of Ryan Tannehill. And then obviously the addition of DeAndre Hopkins was massive for them. So yeah, I think nine wins is definitely well within reach for them. Yeah, they were, they were really tough. Like I originally thought that they were probably going to be like a five-ish win team. But then like you said, as soon as the Mike Rabel effect comes in, some of the signings that they've made, I even I really like actually to the uh, the drafting of Peter Skoronsky in the yeah. first round. Yeah, I, I'm personally I'm not as big a fan of the trading up to get Will Levis that they did in the second round, but that's just because I feel like they had other holes that they maybe could have uh, could have plugged in that time. They got Ryan Tannehill. I understand the reasoning why because your thought process is Ryan Tannehill could be free agent free agent at the end of the year. Their quarterback they picked from the previous draft, Malik Willis, didn't really show them too much last year. Yeah. And so, I think everyone, like all the talk was Will Levis, how high will he go in the draft? I never saw it with him, so I wasn't convinced on him. Hmm. But I think it would have been a case for Tennessee when they saw him keep dropping in that first round, that when he was there still in the second round, they thought, okay, well, we're going to go up and get him and see what we can work with him. Uh, I don't know about the thought process behind it, but like you said, he's going to be able to sit behind Tannehill. I don't think they're going to have to force Will Levis into action this year, no. ideally for them. So, I even think, too, if for some reason they do need to make a quarterback change at some stage this season, I do think it'll probably actually be Malik Willis who would go in in front of Tannehill because it does appear coming out of preseason that Malik Willis is getting more of a run with the... I guess the quote unquote first team. Yeah. You know, yeah. ahead of Will Levis. There's reports coming out of camp, depending on who you who you read and things like that, that Will Levis is struggling in training camp a bit. So um but I think the big thing is, you know, that they, they signed Andre Dillard as their left tackle to replace Taylor Lawan. Now I understand the thought process too, former first round pick, you, you know, younger than Luan. Uh, you've got Skoronsky there who can kick out to tackle, but they reckon they'll probably play him at, at guard. But, yeah. you know, you, you never know with how what happens during the season. You see guys change all the time. But it seems like the offensive line is going to be the biggest thing that they need because they've still got Derrick Henry on the team. Yeah, exactly. You know, Derrick Henry, he's not quite the explosive runner that he used to be, but that's being replaced with volume 
now as opposed to explosive plays. So yeah, I remember, you know, you used to pretty much guarantee every year there'll be a Thursday night football game between Tennessee and Jacksonville. Derrick Henry's going to break off a 90-yard run, end up the game with 18 carries for 212 yards. Yeah. And that's that's the story of the game. But now he might still end up with that 200 yards, but it's more like 28, 29 carries per game as opposed to the 18 that he might have got. So yeah. And they've got the ability to just hand it off to him as much as they feel comfortable with. And he doesn't yeah. wear down as the season goes, as the games go. So I think they'll lean on him heavily. They'll hope they've got the Tannehill from a couple of years ago back yeah. as well. So, And I think, too, you look at the the team from last year, they traded away AJ Brown. And so Tannehill's main receiving option was rookie Traylon Burks. So now have it bringing back in DeAndre Hopkins to pair with Burks. Yeah. You know, that sort of, that's going to help there. Uh, uh, Chig, Chigakonkwo, um, you know, he he impressed last year. He wasn't yeah, getting too many. take another step forward as well this year then. Yeah. And I mean, he wasn't getting too many targets per game last year, but he's still breaking them off for 40, 50. You know, he might have, you might look at the box score and he's had two catches for 67 yards. Because yeah. that's just the sort of thing. So, you know, you get these guys involved and you might get the Tannehill back from the previous seasons and who knows what can happen with them. So just recapping the AFC. So we've got Houston. We both have gone under on six and a half wins for Houston. Indy at six and a half wins. We've both gone under as well. We're both sort of thinking around that for those teams, those five, five-ish sort of win mark. Yeah. Jacksonville over. We've both gone over for the nine and a half wins, and Tennessee. We've both gone over seven and a half wins. So, is there anything else you want to make mention about any of these teams before we move on to the NFC? No, I think we covered it pretty well. Cool, cool. Well, on to the NFC South. We will start off with the Atlanta Falcons. Their over/under win total is eight and a half. Now, their main losses. I'm, you know, not really too sure. They're huge losses in Isaiah Oliver and Rashawn Evans. Their their main, I guess, uh, additions, you get Jesse Bates from Cincinnati, which is a huge signing. David Onyemata has come over from the Saints. Caden Ellis has come across. And also there was the trade for Jeff Okuda to try and pair across from AJ Terrell. So Atlanta, eight and a half wins. What are your thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons this year? So they're one of those teams where you're not expecting them to win a lot of games, but they just manage to pull out wins that you don't expect. Yeah. So I know everyone talks about how much they're painful for fantasy, but from an actual NFL standpoint, they're so well coached and they're in games, like the majority of games they're in it. So I can actually see them winning nine games this year. Hmm. I, I I think they could actually be around that mark too. This is this is a really tough division because all the teams are very similar in where yes. they are. They've got certain, they've got some depth in some places and then other parts they're they're lacking a little bit. So you look at Atlanta, you they've got so at tight end you've got Kyle Pitts, who, you know, yes, he's upset a lot of fantasy people, but you know, last year he had the most targets of un, most uncatchable passes thrown his way out of anyone in the NFL last year. So, yeah, and we're you know, hoping that Desmond Ritter, well, you think he's an upgrade over Mariota. You would think so, but hoping he, he takes another step as well. Yeah, and even if starter. even if he isn't an upgrade over Marcus Mariota, they also signed Taylor Heineke, who has shown he can 
play at a at a decent, uh, you know, as as an acceptable level in the NFL without yeah. making too many mistakes, you know, things like that. But so that's your tight end. They also bring in Jonu Smith, who was, you know, had his best seasons under Arthur Smith when he was at Tennessee. So yeah. they they bring those guys back together. You look at wide receiver. You got uh, Drake London there. Matt Collins has come in as well. So you know it's it's building that out. And then when you look at the running backs, you've got Cordero Patterson. You've got Tyler Algier, who had a really good rookie season last year, and then obviously drafting Bijan Robinson in the first round this year. So they've they've got these pieces everywhere. Was there was there a move in the offseason that you really liked from them, or a draft pick, or? Oh, I think adding Jesse Bates was massive. Yeah, he's such a stud player. For them to be able to get Jesse Bates and plug him in at safety will be a massive upgrade for that defense. Yeah, and then obviously offense, you've got Bijan Robinson coming in, which we all know how good he is, and I think he'll have a massive rookie year. You've also got Matthew Bergeron in round two as well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him. I wanted to offensive line. Yeah, I was going to mention him. I really like that pick for them of getting Bergeron just to to really shore up that offensive line. And, you know, your offensive line's only as good as your weakest link. So if you can keep improving that offensive line and improve that, whatever you might perceive as a weakness, if you can lift that level up, mix with the incredible stuff that, because you can't deny it, Arthur Smith does some incredible stuff with his offense. Positionless players, maneuver them around, really good run game. If they can hit on that, like they really... As much as I hate to admit it as a Carolina fan, they really could be like a 10 or 11 win team and it wouldn't surprise many people. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I think, yeah, nine wins I've got them at, but like you said, they could get that extra couple wins just from their style of play that mm. you don't expect to win that game. And because they're grinding teams out or that sort of thing, then they've got to win there as well. So I think to me, once with the like a lot of these teams, their biggest question is actually going to come on the defensive side of the ball. That seems to be their... They haven't really had a good pass rusher for... You know, well, Jonathan Abraham was the last... You know, he was the last really good rusher. That's, you know, they've spent a lot of high draft picks on edge rushers in the past as well that haven't quite worked out. Yeah, so... And um, they've got Calais Campbell coming in. Yeah, and you got about Calais, about that, like, yeah. like, oh, It's Calais Campbell. Like, he's not going to do a lot. But then you look at his stats and he's still putting up good sack numbers each year. Yeah, and it's just it's also just handy to have a guy like Calais Campbell there who, yes, he's probably lost a step from what his elite days were, but he's still smart enough to be able to win against opponents and, yeah. you know, use his smarts to get there. But I think, too, like bringing Jesse Bates in is such a, you know, they've, they've got a really great young corner in AJ Terrell. Like he is, he's incredible. Yeah. So doing that like late round pick to get Jeff Okuda in, now, Jeff Okuda was a third overall pick in 2020. So if they can get him up to that level that he was expected in his early days, they could have a really scary secondary it's with those two guys it. and with Jesse Bates, Jesse Bates in there as well. As well yeah. So that'll be, that, to me, that'll they'll be really, they'll be quite an interesting team this year. I think they'll actually be up in that top one or two um, for the division this season, I think. Yeah. Um, We'll move on to the New Orleans Saints. Their over-under win total is nine and a half wins. Now, uh, we've mentioned one of their uh, departures already in David Onyemata. Marcus Davenport's gone. Andy Dalton, who was their starting quarterback for half the year last year, he's gone as well to Carolina as a backup. 
Their additions, they bring in Jamal Williams, Kalen Saunders as a defense, defensive tackle, Derek Carr as a quarterback. So over-under for the New Orleans Saints at nine and a half. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I've got them under. I've got them at seven wins mm-hmm. for the season, I think. like So much relies on David Carr and how he settles in there. What sort of season do we get from him? He's never been that sort of elite quarterback. He's always been good or very good with a couple of bad seasons put in there. So what are we going to get from him? We've got some clarity on Elvin Kamara now as well. Yeah. Which is good for them. But I just think they've got a lot of holes that they haven't filled properly yet. And mm. I think they'll have a fairly tough season. But yeah, they... this division though, like there's a lot of games in this division where it can go either way. Yeah. Which it's one of the hardest divisions to actually pick because there's no standout team. Yeah, and I mean, as you're sort of mentioning, like if you look at their, like to say their wide receiver room, if you just read off the names without looking at the, you know, the details and stuff like that, you got Chris Olave who had an incredible rookie season last year, and I'm really high on. I really like Chris Olave. Yeah, so uh, you got you sit there and you read, you say, oh, Michael Thomas, you know, a couple seasons ago he set the record in the NFL for most catches by a wide receiver. But as I mentioned on um, a show last week with John, Todd Gurley has actually played more games since 2020 than what Michael Thomas has. <laughs> and Todd Gurley has been retired for two years. So, um, yeah. so you know, that. what are you going to get out? Like, Because we've even seen like some of the training camp stuff. Like when Michael Thomas is out on the field, he's, he's really good. Like he, there's a reason why he led the NFL in – uh, you know, receiving yards, it felt like for every season he, he's played sort of thing and catches and all that sort of stuff because he's elite at getting open. I know everyone calls him slant boy because he only runs those, but like, you know. Yeah, he's hard to stop, especially yeah. in that short area as well. So if they can get him back to even wanting to play, because it seemed like over the last couple of years, he hasn't wanted to be out there and play. Mm. So if he if he's healthy now and he's got that want to play back again, he could be in for a massive season. We don't know. Yeah, and I mean they they added in the added in the draft um, a little bit on the uh, defensive line with the losses of Onyemata and Davenport, but they uh, it was uh, Brian Brzee. Yeah, I the love first their round. first two picks. In yeah, the Isaiah Foskey was the other one. I actually yeah. really like um I actually really like a few of their draft picks. Kendra Miller bringing him in. He was a third round pick out of TCU. Uh, AT, AT Perry, he was a sixth rounder? He was in the sixth round, yeah. yeah. I had him as a fourth round pick and he went in the sixth, so. Yeah, so, I mean, they've got, they've they've bought in some of these guys who I really like, you know, and Kendra Miller's a great one to bring in to be, because obviously for this season when Kamara is healthy, it's going to be him and Jamal Williams are the two main backs, but, you know, Kendra in as well, yeah. have, have him in there with Jamal, you know, if there's if there is an injury or, you know, poor play by one of those two, you're able to bring Kendra Miller in as well. Like, you know, so I, I really like those, those sorts of pickups. But they're they're a team who, as well, like, these are the teams. So I had I had Atlanta at eight wins and I had New Orleans at eight wins as well. Yeah. Because I feel like all of these teams in, these, in this division could potentially split the home-and-home home games with with the other guys in the division. So it wouldn't yeah. honestly surprise me to see, you know, so Carolina and Atlanta are playing each other in week one. 
you know, if Atlanta wins that one, I wouldn't then be surprised to see when they meet again later in the season, Carolina wins that. Yeah, you know, 100%. these, you know, and you even look at like, so even last season, um, Carolina split the games with Atlanta. One of them, they beat Atlanta pretty easily. And the other one was the crazy PJ Walker to DJ Moore touchdown oh. at the end. Mm-hmm. And then the kicker missed the kick and then missed another one in overtime. <laughs> but but then last year too, Carolina swept New Orleans last season. Yeah. So it's such a weird division, this one. That, But I've got both of them at about eight wins just for that pure fact that some of these teams, it's almost like when people do fantasy rankings and you've got two guys who are on the same team and you don't know what to do with them because you don't know their workload. So you just put them next to each other in the rankings because <laughs> you can't tell. That's what these teams are sort of, you know, seem like to me. And it would not shock me this year if the winner of this division, like if everyone in this division ends up being under 500 at the end of the year. That wouldn't shock me at all. No, no. It, 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 to me, it seems like it's going to go one of one of two ways. You could have everyone under 500 and it be one of those divisions where it ends up coming down to the last week of the season and a team wins and goes, you know, eight and nine, and that happens to get them, yeah. get them the yeah. division championship. Or it could also be, um, it, it could also be one where you have one or two runaway teams and the rest just bottom out. So it's hard to tell this division. Yeah, it's one of the, as poor as it could be win loss wise. It could be one of the most exciting, just because the race to division winner could be anyone. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, like we'll move on to Tampa Bay. Their over-under total is six and a half wins. They're such a weird team because they look like they should be tanking, but they've still kept their really good players. Yeah. They've re-signed some of them. They've brought in uh, Baker Mayfield, who's just been announced. He's won the starting competition job against Kyle Trask. Like that, to me, is like a, you know, people going, well, that seems like a move based off the last couple of years where you should be tanking sort of thing, by having that as your quarterback competition. But then, you know, they're bringing Greg Gaines, Chase Edmonds, but they lose Leonard Fournette, Donovan Smith, Cameron Brait. But, you know, like I said, they, they keep Shaq Barrett. They keep Levante David. Devin White asked for a trade and they've been told no. You know, yeah. it's Jamil, uh, Jamil, uh, Jamil Dean, he re-signed. Like, it's one of those things where you're like, I don't know what to think of the Bucks because – you shouldn't be very good, but you should also be good. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, they've got Baker Mayfield now named the starter. And if Baker Mayfield's your answer at quarterback, you're not asking the right question. Yeah. So <laughs> they've still got Mike Evans. They've still got Chris Godwin. So mm. the offense should still be able to function fairly well, but we've seen Baker Mayfield struggle big time yeah. the last couple of seasons. And we don't know what to expect if Kyle Trask steps in. So it's a tough, tough ask for them with the uncertainty at quarterback. But I look at look at some of their draft picks. They drafted Kalijah Cansey mm. at pick nineteen. He could be a difference maker really quick. Yeah. He's very un, like he's undersized for defensive tackle, but I think they can move him a little bit to sort of hide his size. But I think he can be explosive from the start, mm. and they'll need him to be from the start. They've got one of my favourite players in the lead-up to the draft, Cody Mort. Yeah. I just love watching him play. He's just a ball of energy and has fun. It's just going to be a great look on that offensive line, him playing left guard next to Ryan Jensen, both long, red-headed guys <laughs> who, who look very similar. Yeah, it's just going to be awesome to watch. So, 
They've got a few good draft picks, but I think it just comes down to that inconsistency and quarterback's going to hurt them the most. Yeah, and I think too, like, they've they let Leonard Fournette go. They've turned the backfield over to Rashad White and it looks like undrafted free agent, uh, Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker, who I actually think will end up getting the most carries. But yeah, but you know, you sit there and you look at their their players. Like I said, they're another team who they've got these names. Like you said, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Vita Vea, Levante David, Devin White. And you sit there and you think, right, you guys should be really good. And then you think last year they won, what, nine, nine games last year or eight games with Tom Brady? I can't remember. I think it was eight games, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, they, they, they won that with Tom Brady. And now you're going yeah. from Tom Brady to a Baker Mayfield, Carl <laughs> Trask, and you go... Are you actually going? How how are you going to get back to that that sort yeah, of win? Exactly. But once again, because this division's so weird, it really wouldn't surprise me if they happen to end up at that eight eight nine win mark again, or yeah. they could or they could end up with four wins. That's where I've got them at. I've got them at four. You got them at four. Okay. Yeah, I yeah I've probably got them at I I reckon around between four and six. I think what I was sort of thinking at most, but you know they they um fired uh, Byron Leftwich last year. Tom Brady's gone. You Todd Bowles is on the hot seat as the as the head coach. Like, you know, what what is what is the best case scenario for the Bucks this year? They tank and they get Caleb Williams. Yeah. Like they they, <laughs> yeah. they but they could they could be in that they could be in that market. Yeah. That. They could also be another team who they could be, you know, come the trade deadline, they could be the ones who are like, Radio, let's let's follow this path and maybe some team for the playoffs pulls like a, what the Rams did in their Super Bowl winning season and trade where they traded Von Miller, like trader for Von Miller. Could Levante David end up on a contender? Could yeah. Devin White or Chris Godwin or Mike Evans could one of these guys all end? Could these guys end up on other teams come mid-season if the Bucks are zero and six, zero and seven at that stage? Yeah, I don't know. I think they're they're my tip to finish last in the division. I'm fairly comfortable with that. Yeah, I don't see them getting to five hundred. I think yeah. they'll struggle to even get past four wins. So it's going to be a tough year. Tough year. Now, we'll move on now to our last team, which is my team here, the Carolina Panthers, who over under win total is seven and a half wins. Their main losses for the season were from the previous season, Deontay Foreman, who's gone to Chicago, and also DJ Moore, who is also in Chicago as part of the trade that they made to move up and take Bryce Young at number one overall. So... I guess you will go through their key additions too. So they signed Miles Sanders, running back from Philadelphia. Hayden Hurst, who they signed from Cincinnati. Adam Thielen from Minnesota. DJ Chark from Detroit. Then they've also signed Von Bell from Cincinnati. Shai Tuttle from New Orleans. Uh, Camus Grugier-Hill, who they got from the Texans. Troy Hill, who they've just signed in the last couple of days of uh, free agency who was with the Rams last year. And then Justin Houston as the other edge rusher to uh, pair with Brian Burns. So what are your thoughts on Carolina before I get into anything that I say about them? So you'll be happy. I've got them over seven and a half wins. Yes. <laughs> I've got them at eight, but it's still over seven and a half. So, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, 
like you said, they've got Bryce Young, who for all the talk about him being undersized and small for NFL, I don't think that matters. You watch how he plays. He's just so smart how he's he does poised. it. He's very poised. Yeah. So I don't think the size is that much of an issue. You don't want him obviously taking too many hits, but he's got a way that he's able to avoid it by getting the ball out quick, by moving around. He's not going to take off and run, but he can move in the pocket really well. So I don't think the concern for his size is going to be that much of a concern as the season goes on. One of my thoughts too is everyone saying like, oh, you don't want Bryce Young to get hit. Imagine what happens when he gets hit by defensive linemen. And you're like, yeah, but no one ever used to worry about Cam Newton being hit. And then Cam Newton was destroyed by TJ Watt in a game and it screwed up his shoulder and he was never the same ever again. Yeah. Like it can happen to anyone. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter size or, you know, frame. I know that they have um, a lot of teams have benchmarks for what they want guys to look like and weigh and height and all that sort of stuff. But you don't want, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter what size your quarterback is. No one wants their quarterback hurt or hit. No, exactly. Yeah. You need to protect them. And you can have all the size you want, but you don't have the quarterback smarts to be able to process as quick as you need to be. Yeah. Bryce Young doesn't have that issue. Yeah. So he's going to be able to avoid hits just because of his smarts. So. I love him there. I think it's going to be really good for them for the future. I think pairing him now with Miles Sanders as well, who's a really good running back, mm. I think is a good thing. And then if they can get DJ Chark and Adam Thielen healthy and keep them healthy, they'll provide good safety play, especially Adam Thielen. If he struggled last year. Mm. But if they can get him healthy and playing decent, he'll provide a good safety blanket for Bryce Young. Yeah. So I like that addition of him as well, that leadership that they'll have. And then Jonathan Mingo in the second round, I really like him. I think they'll be able to use him in a lot of different ways. So they've got weapons that will help them win games this year. And he's and Jonathan Mingo's come from the the school of wide receivers in the last couple of years in Ole Miss, like you know, but some what his play that he had in that second week of the preseason. I'm not saying this, but I saw other people comparing where he he caught that pass and bounced off the defender and sent him fly, like sent the defender down and then, you know, only went another couple of yards. But it was one of those things that were like, a lot of people were going, it's very AJ Brown-like. Like he got hit, but he's so strong and he's so big, he's able to absorb the punishment and stay on his feet and keep his legs churning and keep yeah. moving along. So he's already shown in the um, the preseason, he's actually looking like he's firming as that third wide receiver with Chark and Thielen. Uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. was probably fourth. Many people, and me included, were actually expecting him to end up in uh, the top three receivers come on the depth chart, but he's injured his back and he's been out for a bit, so that might actually keep him on the shelf during preseason yeah, and keep him in that spot. Not good timing for him to do that. Not good timing, but the, I mean, every a lot of people will do this. You go through and you try and, narrow your team down to your 53, like what you would like to see as your ideal 53. I've really struggled when I've tried this exercise myself. I can, the closest I've been able to get, it's about 57. Yeah. So like there's guys on this team who I really like, but you sit, you're going to have to sit there and go like, are they going to make the team or not? So you look at the, at the receivers at the moment, the, when they're all healthy, the receivers. So we've mentioned Thielen, Chark, Mingo, Terrace Marshall, Jr., LaVisca Chenault is going to get some run. Shy Smith is there who might be a sixth receiver, but they might just not play him. Like yeah. he might he might not actually make the 53-man roster come cut down day. 
the running backs, I really like the undrafted free agent they got from um, Appalachian State in Cameron Peoples. He might not make the roster because he's behind Tuba Hubbard and Raheem Blackshear at the moment, who Raheem Blackshear is going to make the team just based off his special team play alone. Yeah. And, you know, you sort of, they've signed Troy Hill as a, uh, reinforcements cornerback room. Dante Jackson heard him was hurt and he's coming off an Achilles injury from last year. But JC Horn could be an elite cornerback, but he's just been quite injured in his two seasons so far. So we haven't seen his potential. They haven't obviously they weren't really too trusting in CJ Henderson. So CJ's, you know, he was a first round pick back in that 2020 draft. The Panthers didn't pick up his fifth year option. So this is his last year before hitting free agency. Yeah. So you're sort of looking at some of these guys that they've got there. You know, they had to sign um had to sign Justin Houston because they didn't trust um Yeetor Gross Matos, who was there, you know, he was a second round pick in the 2020 draft. They didn't trust him. They had to sign Justin Houston. Frankie Louvu's had a had a great year last year for Carolina. Like, you know, I'm, I was going through this list and there's so many guys on this defense that I really like, but you're sitting there going like, someone's got to miss out. Who's and it's really team? hard to pick who's going to miss out on this team. And that's the thing that's changed as well, that they don't have cut down days progressively. Mm. So we don't know where teams are sitting now. Yeah. So we're sitting there going, okay, they need to get down to 53 by here, but they haven't made moves leading up to this point. Yeah. So all of a sudden it just goes, bang, right, these players are gone. Whereas in previous years, we had that build-up to getting to the 53, so it became that little bit easier Yeah. to sort of predict what was going to happen. And I think, too, the big thing looking at, at Panthers' Twitter and Panther fans and everything, the biggest concern at the moment for Carolina is actually the offensive line. Now, last year they had a really good offensive line, so the offensive line has actually returned again this year. So it was Taylor Moten at right tackle. It was Austin Corbett at right guard, Bradley Bozeman at centre. Uh, it was Brady Christensen at left guard and Iki Okwonu at left tackle. Austin Corbett tore his ACL and might not be ready for the start of the season. So in preseason, they've been trying out a few different guys at that right guard spot, one of them being Cade Mays. And then last game, they had uh, their third-round pick in Chandler Zavala was playing in last game, and they fourth, haven't looked... Fourth-round pick. Fourth-round, sorry. Yeah, yeah fourth-round. Um, didn't... Uh, they didn't... He didn't look very good last week. Um, uh, Iki Okwonu sort of... He had a, you know, got eaten alive the first game of his rookie season last year. He had to face Miles Garrett, but then I think he went, I think he went ten games without giving up a sack after that. Like you know, so he improved, but you know, he's not started off with the greatest preseason so far. So you know, there's the, the big thing is getting Bryce Young protected because you know Icky gave up a sack in the last game, the, the week two of the preseason, gave up a sack, and then the very next play missed his assignment, and Bryce Young got absolutely poleaxed on a throw. He got the throw out, but he just got absolutely, you know, demolished afterwards. So that's where you get those worries coming through that your quarterback's not going to be able to make the season if your offensive line is messing up calls at the line and using the wrong protections. And yeah, not- if you've got defensive players getting a free run at the quarterback, it doesn't matter who you've got a quarterback, that's never a good thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the biggest signings, though, is actually is like Von Bell. 
another another you know part of that great safety duo that was in Cincinnati for those years with Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Yeah. You know, he's now moved. So the two starting safeties they're going to be playing are Von Bell and Xavier Woods. And they'll move Jeremy Chin to that sort of big nickel, playing a bit closer to the line of scrimmage. So, like, look, thinking of their um, their defense, like, they've got some really good pieces, like Brian Burns. You know, everyone knows he's an up-and-coming star. Like, you know, yeah, last year, he, a lot of people gave him... Um, a bit of shit because last year was the first year he got over 10 sacks for his for, in a season, but he's always at that nine and a half, nine. You know, he can wreck plays. Yeah. He just hasn't really had anyone to help, you know. And that's the biggest thing because he hasn't had that other guy opposite him. Teams have been able to key in stopping him. Mm. So he's still getting that nine sack seasons. But if he had someone opposite him taking away that pressure, he could get 15 sacks a season. Yeah. So, which is what they need. And the big the big change too, the big changes this year is they've Carolina really has put together an all-star coaching staff yeah. this year. So they've replaced Matt Rule and Steve Wilkes from last year with Frank Reich as head coach. They bring in uh, Juice Staley as a running backs coach. Josh McCown is the quarterback's coach. Thomas Brown is the offensive coordinator. And then they bring in Jim Caldwell as and Dom Capers as, um, uh, you know, like, what do you call it, advisors. Yeah. And then also bringing in the biggest one who, unfortunately, I feel like will probably be gone by the end of the season, like at the end of the year, is Jiro Evero as their defensive coordinator like he's yeah i can easily see him getting a head coaching job next year yeah and that that's just that's the sad thing because he's such like (laughs) everyone everyone like you know as soon as he became available you know everyone was talking about you know where's he gonna go and as soon as he landed in carolina the overwhelming response is like that's an incredible hire by carolina to get evero there under that fangio system he's changed the system um from what they've been playing now to to this sort of Fangio system, so everything's set up there for for Carolina to to improve. Their big thing's going to be though that they don't have a first round pick in the next draft because of the trade up with Bryce Young. So they, they you know it's it's a second round second round pick this year that they have. So you know as soon as you start dropping out of that first round if you don't have the best of seasons. Like if they do end up with that only the eight wins, like you said, and they finish outside of the playoffs because of the how stacked this division is yeah. in that sense, you know, you lose that ability to, you know, maybe get a game-changing sort of talent, well, no matter where it is, or even if it's not a game-changing talent, you lose that ability to manoeuvre around the board as well. If, if the guy's not there that you want, you might be able to trade back and acquire future draft picks and, you know, more talent to add to that team, but they don't have that ability now this year by losing that pick to Chicago as part of the Bryce Young trade. They need to hope they've hit on their five draft picks from this year. Mm. You want to hope that they've got a even an 80% success rate off that. Yeah. And then, again, moving forward to next year, they need to hit on their draft picks again. Mm. They can't have any misses at the moment, which is always a tough thing. Like the pressure's on them to just hit on every draft pick possible. Yeah. And I, like I said, I actually, and this might be my um, my bias coming through, but I actually think that 
I it honestly it wouldn't surprise me if they win 10 games and they win the division because they've got the pieces there and you know like even one of the things like everyone's saying you know yes the Carolina Panthers wide receiver room isn't the greatest but DJ Chark's been a really good receiver when he's been healthy. It's just his problem is he hasn't been able to stay yeah, healthy. Keeping the health. If yeah. he could if he could stay healthy and Mingo shows out the way that people are expecting to, and you know, even if Adam Thielen doesn't, but you have some of these other guys step up, whether it be LaVisca or Terrace Marshall when he plays, you know, it they, they could be in line for you know, really standing out and taking a chance on winning this division and cementing themselves as like, you know, the the powerhouse of the division for years to come sort of thing. And like we've said, there's wins up for grabs in this division. Yeah. So it can go so many different ways, but if they can sweep Tampa Bay, if they can uh, split every other division game, that'll put them in a really good spot as well. So I think Bryce Young is the biggest key, obviously, and he's the sort of quarterback that you'd want leading this team in this division. Because he's not going to lose too many games for them, I don't think. No. And, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule now, so I'll run through it quickly. Like, it's it's Falcons uh, week one, New Orleans Saints week two. So, two division rivals straight out the gate. Then it's the Seattle Seahawks, who Panthers actually beat last year with the Seahawks in the second half of the season. Like, the Vikings, who they've got to play. The Lions, who which Panthers beat last year. So, you know, you could say, okay, there's a couple of chances for wins depending on how they go. But then they hit the Dolphins. Like, you know, they've got to play Miami. So they've got to play that AFC East, which we know, you know, that AFC East is a real gauntlet this year to try and run through those teams. But after the um, the Dolphins, you get the Texans, the Colts, the Bears. So there's, you know, there could be wins they could there. Three, you know, there. Yeah, Cowboys, you know, you're probably expecting a loss there. But then Titans, Buccaneers, Saints, Falcons, Packers, Jags, Buccaneers to finish the season. Like, you know, there is a chance there. Like you said, it's one of those things to me that you could tell me they win 11 games and I'd be like, yeah, looking at the schedule, there's a chance they could. You could tell me they win six games and I'd also be like, yeah, unfortunately I can see that too. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's such a, such a difficult team and such a, a weird division that no one ever, you don't ever feel like I guess safe is the word in that division. Like doesn't matter how good or how bad the teams are. They're always competitive. Like yeah, I know we said that, something funky going on there. Yeah. And I know we can say that like generally about a lot of the divisions, but this one's always been, you know, you, you look at it last year, it was a fight right up until the last two games of the season to who could win that division. There was actually three of the four teams, not actually for all four teams, with two weeks left, still mathematically had a chance to win that division last year. And again, that could be the case this year for different reasons, obviously, but Mm. it could very much be the case this year as well. So good luck to the Panthers. Like I said, got them over, eight wins. Could be enough to win the division. Could be. So going through our divisions again, so we had the Falcons at eight and a half. So you you had them at eight, was it? Uh, Yes. Yeah, so they're eight and a half. Carolina was seven and a half that you had over as well. New Orleans was nine and a half, which you had under. Under, yeah. And the Bucks were six and a half, which you had as under, under as under well. Four. I had the Falcons at nine wins, actually. 
nine wins. Yeah. So sorry, mate. I had the Falcons winning the division. That's right. That'll be the last time that you're on the show then. So <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, like I said, it's as much as I'd like to, I'm bullish on the team myself and I can see the pieces. I can also see it from the other other sense of going. I honestly don't know. I would like yeah. to think that they're a nine to 10 win team, but reality could kick in and they could be a six win team. So you never know. So that is the, the Souths, the AFC and the NFC South breakdowns. Thank you to anyone who has sat with us and gone through these teams. We'll finish off next week with the West. John's going to join us back next week. So he can talk and about his Seahawks, which they those those divisions are just there are the ones really that could be completely the up West for grabs. Crazy. They could be completely up for grabs, or there could be just two teams easy that we could just want that we could go, yep, there we go. There's the AFC, the NFC sorted, and there's no questions needed to be asked. So Dan, thank you for coming on and having a bit of a chat. Have you got anything that you want to plug just before we head out of here for tonight? Just behind me. There will be a little bit more time to jump into the charity leagues that I'm running. I've got to close it up pretty soon just because the season is so close. But if you want to be involved in a charity league that I'm running, jump on Twitter, DM me at beard underscore 82. I'll tell you all about what you need to know. If you want have questions, ask me. Just supporting a couple of really good causes in Beyond Blue and Black Dog Institute. Just looking to get as many people involved as possible and raise as much money as possible, which we're doing really well. It's actually crazy how much interest we've had in it and people being willing to jump on board and donate money and help a good cause. So it's been amazing so far. Yeah, it has. And it's, it's really good to see the the chats that are going on in the leagues and everyone sort of getting along. So if you would like to be part of one of those leagues, as Dan said, please reach out to him at beard underscore 82 or me at Brad bolt one. Also at NFL lab network, um, you reach out to any of us. Uh, John's not here, but if you want to reach out to John, he's at John Lloyd Roberts as well. Just get in touch. We'll try and point you in the right direction. It's not just restricted to Australians. Everything. Anyone, anyone, please feel free to join in. Uh, just come in, have some fun, raise some money for some really good charities, and yeah, make some new friends. That's what these what sort of that's what these fantasy leagues are all about. Especially yeah, these definitely. charity leagues, it's raising money, it's making friends, and it's having a good time. So, on that note, Dan, thank you very much. And That's right. Until back this week. It is. It's good to see you. We'll have a episode of the Saturday Air Raid out on Saturday morning as well. But until next time, see you later. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab.